Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This. Check out www.nowhearthis.biz. Be sure to sign up for the email newsletter there, which is quick and easy. All that's required is an email address. We are coming to you today from Crystal Blue Sound Studios near Tampa, Florida. Check them out on the web at www.cbpro, as in Crystal Blue Productions, cbpro.net. Be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. Lots of great guests on Now Hear This Entertainment. Maybe we should just shorten that and call the podcast NHTE. So far in the brief time that Now Hear This Entertainment has been on the air, so to speak, the guests have come from Alabama, Florida, and Tennessee. Today we're going to extend our reach to the Northeast. Joining me today from Connecticut via the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line, is the winner of the Best Singer-Songwriter 2013 at the Connecticut Music Awards and a nominee for Best Songwriter in New England 2014, a three-time winner of the Hartford Advocates Best Solo Performer Award, and an entertainer who has opened for, among others, folk legend Judy Collins. Wow. You've been hearing one of her songs. It's called Yes. My guest today is Kate Callahan. Kate! Hi, Bruce. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Oh, my pleasure. And wow, what an amazing story you have to tell, Kate. Uh, I I just read a a whole list of of great musical accolades, but in fact, what I think the listeners will be fascinated to hear first is that you are a survivor of traumatic brain injury and have overcome anorexia. These are this, these are true true facts, yeah, um, and and facts that make up a big part of my experience um, coming forth in the world as an artist. I think a lot of um, a lot of where I derive my passion for living an alternative life and living a life that's that's very self generated, um, sort of off the beaten path, comes from having um, having had to face challenges that really have asked me to um to dig deep and know who i am and and so in being who i am in the world is very important are you comfortable sharing with the listeners um a snapshot of of when these took place and 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 again we don't need uh you know to spend the entire podcast focusing on them but um whatever details you might be comfortable sharing of 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 what i mentioned there that that you've overcome I'll do my best. Um, <laughs> I, I, um, I suffered uh, a ski accident when I was a sophomore in college. I was at Rutgers University in New Jersey and, and uh, went on a skiing trip with, a, with fam- family friends. And, um, and I was uh, hit from behind by a, another skier, a, a an extreme skier, someone who practiced, you know, extremely high speed skiing mm-hmm. and, and even acrobatics and things like wow. that. So, um, I was taken by surprise on a mountain, um, 
And I was about 19 years old when that happened. It changed my life. I had to drop out of college. I had to Mm. rehabilitate in the sense that I I spent four or five days a week in a rehabilitation center learning... um, Learning certain certain basic skills again, just developing coordination and um, balance and. Uh, but but now just clarify: Were you already doing music at that point in your life, or no? Or music came that's later. A, that's a good question. I was born doing music. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like that answer. So <laughs> I hadn't I hadn't embarked on any kind of career at that point. I was I was just doing the the college typical college experience. But I was um I was a music baby, music kid. Um, what I what I will describe um, about the injury to my brain is that among the list of things that it that caused impairment in me at that time. Um, one of the kind of mysterious things that happened was that I couldn't remember, understand what singing was. Whoa. And so I, I didn't understand that I could open my mouth and create sound other than just speech. Um, for some reason, that connection in my brain uh, wasn't accessible to me after the accident. So... Um, wow. So it, it, yeah. It's, <laughs> what, a, what a way to come out of the gate on this podcast. <laughs> um, it, I, I do a lot of a lot of talks and, and interviews on the healing power of music because I literally I did have music stripped from me, um, and and I did get it back, which is which is the the mysterious and beautiful um, part of my journey. I I. Um, I'll tell just a little bit. I I um, decided one day, a couple of years into my, my recovery, when the insurance had run out and the doctors had said I'd plateaued, um, I, I, I said to my mom, you know, mom, what if I try to learn an instrument that I have no past past experience with mm. so I can't compare myself I can't say well I used to be good at this and now yeah, I'm terrible yeah. so um, so I I thought why don't I learn to play the acoustic guitar and um, and I I studied with a teacher um, very slowly very gingerly for about a year um, sometimes only practicing five minutes a day here and there um, but over the course of a year studying with a teacher who who looked at me as someone who was capable of anything any of his other students could do, which was, which was That's such a great. gift. Yeah. Um, and I, after about a year studying, um, I began to see better. I wanted to see what was on the page in front of me, the music notes. My coordination improved. Um, my my ear improved, and I started to. Um, understand that 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 voice was something that was very similar to guitar and that if i tried to mimic what i was doing on the guitar with my voice eventually i i developed the singing voice back nice um and and when you said learn learn an instrument that you hadn't played before what had you played before i was a cellist okay okay so so when you go through life-changing experiences such as those, does it come out in just the next few, say, months worth of songs that you write, or do those influence your songwriting indefinitely, you know, perhaps perhaps even still to this day, or, or is there a shelf life, you know, to how long you can use those situations for song ideas? I think, I think there is a shelf life unless 
unless your your or my own process, um, my healing process um, takes radically different shape over the years. So I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to dwell on this aspect of my life in my songwriting for a long time. But if I had an epiphany, some radical new insight about about what my experience has been like, um, I would certainly bring that into my songwriting. Gotcha. So uh, coming up to present day now, you have released three albums, the last of which was called Two Doors, which was produced and recorded with Jim Chapdelaine, who is a Grammy nominee and a winner of 13 Emmy Awards. How did you get hooked up with him and how did you like working with him? I loved working with Jim. We had um, crossed paths just socially um, over years' time. We live in the same area. Um, and it, it had always been sort of on my on my uh, uh, treasure treasure chest to work <laughs> with Jim. Um, but but sometimes those dreams, you know, either work or don't work for one reason or not. It worked with us. Um, I really enjoyed the the personal experience. Um, you know, working on creating an album um, after many years. The the space between my second and third album is is many years, many eight or nine years, and um, so this was a wonderful re-entry back into the recording process. But just talk about, um, and you know, I want to talk to the listeners um, directly for a minute. You know, I I, I spend a lot of time uh, promoting this podcast as something that will educate and entertain, and I really do want to emphasize the entertain part because I know that there are Kate Callahan fans that are listening, and there are Music lovers out there who hopefully are downloading and subscribing to this podcast just because you enjoy good music interviews, and I hope you feel I'm bringing you good music interviews, but I I just have to talk right now with you, Kate, to those listeners who are, you know, the, the, the singers, the songwriters, the entertainers, the performers that are trying to learn from people like you who are my guests on this podcast, because when you said that Jim was someone that you had sort of known socially there there comes a point when people have those sort of connections and you have to determine when is the right time for me to ask for the sale as they say <laughs> so at some point you had to make a conscious decision and and of course my advice uh to to my clients and to prospective clients is always you know uh, as i said on a previous podcast you know the lord gave you two ears and one mouth which do you think he intended you to use more and and you know that's why you hire people like me is so that you don't walk up to people like that with your hand out and saying what can you do for me but at some point you do have to decide i really would like to work with that guy and i have kind of gotten to know him so what 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 took place that made you decide now is the time and and, and how did you how did you broach that subject with him well in those social settings um, over years of, of, of meeting um, out at clubs or uh, venues, we would we would casually say, you know, we should work together, and um, and I think we both knew at that time that might mean a couple years in the future. But but when it was time, um, I think what was most important in our, in our process was that we sat down just as people. Um, in his studio, my husband came along with me. The three of us sat, and we just talked. We talked and and sort of got a sense for um, what each other 
uh, loves about music. I think that was that was what really sparked the conversation. Was like, well, what do you love about music, and what do you love about the process of recording an album? And and we started to get excited about sharing these loves um, for the process of recording. And then the next time I went over to Jim's, I had my guitar with me. So so it really just started as this this. Um, discovery process can mm-hmm. do we mm-hmm. like each other and mm-hmm. and do we have enough in common to to make a project out of this yeah and and obviously that that's important and and I, and I'm glad that I'm glad that you shared that with me uh, you know because I, I I hope that a lot of people out there are making those connections and finding GM in the presence of somebody with some pretty good credentials uh, but how do I get to the point where I can feel comfortable? Now, granted, anyone will put their hand out and say, "All you got to do is ask me and pay me." Uh, but, but as you as you just outlined, you know, there's a very important part in that process where you do have to say, "Well, I want to make sure that we're comfortable with each other, uh, even even before I do the big ask." Mm, yeah, that that was so important to me. So I've mentioned that you live in Connecticut. Um, and, and that lends itself to being able to go play, um, say, uh, I'll say in New York, for example, because I know that you have done that. So I, I want you to talk about your, your taking advantage of the proximity to other states up there, because I think it's great for an artist up in that part of the country to say, uh, at, at least a little more easily than someone down here in, in what I'm pretty sure is the, I think Florida is the third largest state in the U.S., um, I, I think it's great for an artist up there to be able to say, oh, yeah, I've played in Connecticut, Vermont, Massachusetts, Maine, New York, you know, stuff like that. It's, you know, leaving the East Coast and, it, and the possibility of that has come up over over my career. Um, leaving the East Coast is hard for that reason and the Northeast particularly because you can access so many markets. You can appear in so many markets, um, you know, without having to uh, spend days driving. So um, I love New England and I love the Northeast. I love being able. I'm I'm an hour and a half from Boston, an hour and a half from New York City. Um, and um and that's that's really my my drive for performing especially in the coming year is to is to really be on the road more um and and be discovering and appearing in um these states along the east coast that um you know where where there are people there are audiences who um who dig the music i play and um and i'm really looking forward to to just um, setting setting foot in, in on a lot of different places this year. Very cool. I am Bruce Wozniak, and joining us from up north, specifically Connecticut, on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line is singer-songwriter Kate Callahan. Check her out at www.kate-callahan.com. Be sure to purchase her music, too. There are Links there on her website, which will actually take you over to cdbaby.com. And find her on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, a whole lot more. Make sure you're also checking out www.nowhearthis.biz. That's H-E-A-R. And sign up for the e-newsletter there and subscribe to this podcast. Uh, Feel free to use the social media buttons on nowhearthis.biz as well uh, so that you can like the Now Hear This page on Facebook and or uh, become a Twitter follower. Uh, So, Kate, getting back to your music, um, I like that on your website you list your albums as 
Uh, one says folk slash jazz. One says folk slash finger style. And then Two Doors, uh, which I referred to before, uh, is listed as folk slash Americana. Do you ever feel that you have to work even harder because folk doesn't get all the attention that, you know, mainstream pop or or rock or, or even rap gets? Sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And I'll say, and yeah, I, because because you notice that you know the way I tried to handle that delicately that it's not a criticism, uh, and I don't mean to diminish uh, the folk genre, um, but it's I think it's kind of you know a, a question that needs to be asked. Mm-hmm. When I got into this genre. I knew I wasn't crafting pop music, and so it was very clear from the start sort of what my path would be and what it wouldn't be. Um, so I've never been disillusioned or, illusion, you know, I've never been disillusioned as to, as to you know, what the spectrum of, of my genre can can give me and and bring me out into the world. Um, anything is possible for anybody, and and there are certainly stories of crossovers and um, and mm-hmm. wonderful success like that. Um, but I I when I was starting out, I I had my eye on a couple of songwriters: Sean Colvin, Suzanne Vega, um, Natalie Merchant, and then mm-hmm. way back Joni Mitchell, mm-hmm. um, Leonard Cohen, and and it was. I, what I admired about those songwriters were, was the breadth of their career. Um, I didn't see in them, um, you know, uh, bursting overnight success stardom, that kind of a story. Right. I saw, I saw these, these people with careers and, and development in their song catalogs and, and CD catalogs. And, um, and that excited me so much that I, I knew as I was entering into this that it, uh, the career would be what I was driven to have um, the longevity and that's and being in folk <laughs> it sort of fits the bill with that well and uh, and you know certainly all those names that you mentioned uh, are, are <laughs> extremely recognizable names and, and yes um, you know good good people to, to hold yourself up to um, you know to, to aspire to follow in their path so uh, you know, it's it's not as though you hear the word folk and you tune out altogether because I, I would say that you don't even necessarily have to be a musicologist to know who all of those are that, that, you, that you named. Sure. Now, uh, Two Doors. Um, I've, I've got to mention, really, by all appearances, at least, uh, did well for you. The, the official music video for it already has over 8,500 views. Uh, on YouTube, and there's another version of it on your YouTube channel that has well over 14,000 views, plus still one other live version that has 24,000 views. So that's uh, well over 46,000 views of one song. So you you were obviously pleased, uh, I'm sure, with with how Two Doors did. I I am, and that song is so risky. <laughs> um, it. it it's a it's a kind of an epic tale in that song and and i wanted to i certainly wanted to put it out and i didn't i didn't know i'd be you know titling my album after it but i did and um got a chance to make a music video um 
you know, making a visual to the song. So, um, yeah, it kind of gives me chills when I think about um, how many people have have taken in that song um, and how many people are moved by it. Now, I'm hoping that um, people will be moved by by this interview to to go and, and, and download that song, purchase it. Uh, if if not the album, uh, but but so for the uneducated that that are just listening um, because and and they don't know Kate Callahan and or your music yet, go ahead and, and talk about the riskiness that you alluded to uh, for for two the the, the riskiness mm-hmm. of two doors. Okay, well well the the content of the song came from a dream that i that i had when i lived in new york city for a period of time and um woke up one morning having having dreamt um th- this scenario uh, dr- dreaming that i had um experienced a past life regression and i hadn't necessarily even believed in in past lives or reincarnation up to this point but but i certainly in the dream had had regressed and and seen myself uh, through the eyes and the hands of someone who had led a very violent life mm. um, and was facing his own execution. Um, wow. Now, mind you, this is, this is the story that I'm telling <laughs> in this song. And <laughs> that right there, you know, you take a risk when you bring big content into yeah. a song. Um, but, but the... I think the redeeming aspect of the dream and then the song itself was was what I learned from being able to look through the eyes and, and look through the hands of of someone um, who, in in all accounts in this life, I wouldn't really be able to identify with. Um, so it, it really led me to take a look at two things. One, um, the way we view the prison population here in America as quote-unquote other as other than us Mm. um and and i really through this dream uh, got to experience myself as that other and really understood that we are not that different um the next piece comes in um what happens for the character in the song which is which is the um embracing of of the notion of free will so that so that this character is offered in his moment um facing his own execution he's he's given the 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 option to come back to come back and try life again maybe come back try life again and take on a new body take on a new name be a new a new human being and in those moments of rage where violence had once been um, the instinct in those moments of rage. Now, this character, this person would be able to see that there are two doors, not one, but two doors, and that, that opportunity to choose free will and to move toward harmony and, um, and peace and, and self-accountability and responsibility. Fascinating. Fascinating. It's good stuff. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, so, Wow. And anything, anything I ask at this point is going to seem like a softball question compared to the depths <laughs> of that answer. Um, but you, you have also gotten a lot of good media coverage uh, the, the, the past couple of years in particular. Are, are you the one going out and getting all that press, or, or did you have someone working for you that made all that possible? I'm the one. Wow. I'm the one. And, That's um, off to you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You know, I, I've just always wanted to make it happen no matter what. And um, I've learned a lot working for myself. 
Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's tip is to have music samples available, easily accessible, online. (laughs) It's 2014. No one really mails a CD anymore. Audio or video or both, you've got to have something. No one is going to book you or write about you or give you a sponsorship because you say you're good or have been playing for X amount of years. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. You are also the artistic director of the Heart Folk Festival. Explain what all that role entails for you. I'd love to. Um... I teamed up two years ago with the uh, programming director at the University of St. Joseph here in West Hartford, Connecticut. And he he and I, again, had known each other through the, the music circuit over years. And he he brought me on to develop a folk festival. We don't have one um, in our immediate area. And we wanted to bring folk um, back into the scene. There's a, He runs a beautiful, um, intimate 300-seat theater and in on the campus and um so my job for the past several years has been to um to review hundreds of submissions people want to play the heart folk festival of course because folk musicians um you know we we live for live performance and um so i i take in hundreds of people's music every every year and and make a really hard decision in booking only sometimes only five acts um but this year our festival happens on may 31st and we do have we do have five acts performing including um the headlining group poor old shine who's a uh an americana group who's just just really doing phenomenally here on the east coast so um it's an exciting uh, another it's another role for me to play throughout the year. Yeah, and I would have to imagine that to some extent uh it probably helps you uh, at least insofar as when you are booking yourself um you know you you can probably relate a little quicker than people who don't have this opportunity. In other words, uh you know, we all know that um People who, you know, booking managers, uh, you know, venue, restaurant owners, whatever, wherever it is you're trying to get into, you know, they're getting emails every day, they're getting phone calls every day, they're getting people stopping in uh, unsolicited. Uh, and so, you know, all of a sudden you're wearing that hat, at, at least uh, when you're doing this work with the Heartfolk, Heartfolk Festival. So I imagine that has to help you uh, have a little bit deeper perspective from the standpoint of trying to book yourself. It's yeah, absolutely. I have I have that that inner perspective in the sense of I know I know what's critical, you know, when you're soliciting somebody and what's not. And so I that's what I try to model my own solicitations after. Um yeah, it does it does help to kind of wear both hats. Kate, tell the listeners about your versatility too in that you have told me that you don't just go do live shows as a solo performer. Oh yeah, here in Connecticut and and where wherever the region in the region we can play New York City, Boston, um, Western Mass. I, I play with a six piece 
group. Um, we go by the name Kate Callahan and Echo Joy, um, and we we sound we are we are um, <laughs> sorry I'm losing my sound here. Um, the sound is based around three part vocal harmonies. So I have two vocalists, Cynthia Walkett and Michelle Begley, singing with me, um, and the three of us together are. Uh, we, we're, we're itching and voracious for three-part harmonies and arranging and taking taking uh, my original pieces and arranging them for vocals and and doing uh, pieces by groups like the Waylon Jennies and Crosby, Stills and Nash and the Beatles and um, so we have a we have a lot of fun with the repertoire. We also have a, a fiddle player, um, a percussionist, and a pianist, so that, which makes six of us all together. Very well rounded you are, um, and and that that leads into some plans that you're knee deep in right now, uh, in terms of getting out on the road. Um, tell tell the listeners about that. I oh gosh, I'm thrilled to say I'm going to be leaving on a 25 day tour of the southeast in June. Um, I I've been wearing a number of hats back here in Connecticut. I'm finishing up a degree right now in. Um, in a genre of writing called creative nonfiction, and I'm I'm so thrilled to be almost done with school so that I can get back out on the road, and um, and really start appearing in um, in some markets that are more at a distance from my home base here. Uh, creative nonfiction is that uh, a personal interest, or is that in some way um, you, you see a connection there to your songwriting? Uh, it's both. I really, I had never heard of it. Well, of course, I had read it, and we we all have probably read creative nonfiction um, in some shape or form or another, but um, I learned about the genre as a student and fell in love with it and and certainly have have been able to incorporate some of the things that I've learned around um, creative expression and expressing things concisely and vividly um, that I can bring into my songwriting. So it's really been, it's been a great companion project for me, this degree. I am Bruce Wozniak, and joining us from up in Connecticut on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line is singer-songwriter Kate Callahan. Check her out online at www.kate-callahan.com. Be sure to purchase her music, too. There are links on her website that will take you over to cdbaby.com for that. Do find her on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, she is on numerous social media. Make sure you are also checking out www.nowhearthis.biz and uh, subscribe to the newsletter there. Um, subscribe to this podcast. Feel free to use the social media buttons on nowhearthis.biz to like the Now Hear This Facebook page and or become a Twitter follower. I'm going to uh, sound rather corny with this, but um, what is Kate Callahan's dream musically? <laughs> oh wow! Um, um, I mean, to me, you know, to me, the twenty-five, uh, the, the the Southeast tour. You know that that sounds that sounds like the kind of thing that that's got to get somebody pretty excited and you know and, and open your eyes up pretty big. But is there a, is there a real um, a dream beyond that? Yeah. Yeah, well, yes, there is, and I and I guess I pause when you ask because I, um, 
I see myself doing this for my life, for my entire life, you know, as long as I can. And, um, and, and in some ways, I can't predict um, what will absolutely blow my mind over the years, um, hopefully in the years to come. I, you know, things, things I see in the next couple of years, I'd love to get out to South by Southwest. I'd love to play more festivals across the country, um, Americana and folk festivals. Um, you know, and I'd love to, to do, be, be in attendance at more conferences. Um, so, so I think my dream really is to, is to take this home base. I have a very strong home base here in Connecticut fan base and, and really to take it and take that strength that I have here and, um, and be able to move out into the world, um, you know, performing as, as, as well as I can. Um, but certainly meeting and, and, and collaborating with people and recording more records. Now, being that we talked at the beginning of the podcast about what you have endured physically, uh, I, I want you to come at this next question strictly from the standpoint of the music business. Um, so what do you think is the toughest lesson you had to learn over all these years that you've been uh, writing and performing? Um. I think the 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 lesson that um has come up over and over again you know in different degrees has been uh, that of self doubt um and and to give that a more physical uh, manifestation nerves <laughs> <laughs> nerves and 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 performance anxiety so um i I think the the lesson around self doubt is it's a it's a marvelous thing to be able to look at your career and and for me look at my career and look at the years I've been performing and feel how how much more centered how much more um space I have in my heart and in my brain to be authentic um and that's because I've really worked you know, diligently because I've had to with the self-doubt piece. And I think so many performers can probably relate to to going on stage, performing, and, um, you know, maybe sizzling up there, doing really well, but then walking off and, and spending the next hour um, criticizing, you know, certain subtleties. And, and that's something I think we face as performers, but it's something that also we can take in in our self-development and, and really um, transcend and overcome and, and have like a wildly great time performing and, and feeling free to be who we are. Nice. I like that. And, and dare I say that it sounds to me that what you're describing also extends to, uh, to the booking arena. You know, I, I know that when I'm calling on venues, on festivals, whatever, and, and trying to book people, uh, I have I have very thick skin and 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 I can take a no very easily because I know that there's a whole long list of more places that I'm going to call and that I'm going to be doing this the next day and the next week and things like that and I and it sounds to me like you're probably describing the same thing whether it's your performance on the stage uh, or trying to get yourself booked somewhere and someone tells you no to not take it personally and 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 to um, wallow in self doubt correct correct yeah. Uh, in terms of songwriting, do you prefer to write by yourself or is co-writing your thing and, you know, you've maybe got people that you actively seek out to write with or, or maybe you even look for new people to try writing with? 
I, I've always written by myself. Um, I, I'm sure I'll, I'll have the opportunity at some point, the right opportunity. I've been approached by people before and, um, and, and really hold, sort of hold strong in, in my process right now around writing, which is, which is a singular process. Um, but, um, I feel like I also don't write alone. Like I call on the recordings of, of songwriters who are, who are out there right now, people I can find on digital radio. Um, I really absorb other people's music. Um, not so much, uh, to imitate something that's out there, but to really just just feel um, feel in in communion with other people, um, even though I am sitting in a room by myself writing. <laughs> and, and and who might some of those names be that that you might look to draw from? I'm loving um, Saint Vincent right now. Um, Jose Gonzalez, uh, Feist. Um, um, well, those three for sure. Uh, so many others. Sometimes I, I, um, I know I should be taking more careful notes of who I'm listening to, but I just sort of get swept up and, and, and don't necessarily walk over and, and look at the, look at the playlist. Well, earlier in the podcast, when you mentioned, uh, Suzanne Vega, Joni Mitchell, uh, big names like that, are, are any of those, um, I don't know if I should say legends for all of them, um, but are any of those big names some that you'll go back and listen to as well, just to try to just to try to get yourself in in that space? Um, I do. I mean, Joni Mitchell is someone I I keep close at hand all the time, um, and. I learn I learn so much because the breadth of her work you know sort of spans a whole range of what we would call folk. Um so she's definitely somebody I go back and listen to and I do I do go back and listen to to the legends and um and and the people who were doing doing this particularly in the 60s. Um I really am inspired by their ability to to bring social issue into the craft of songwriting and really move people that way. Uh, we have mentioned some pretty nice achievements of yours along the way during this interview, but there's one that I wanted to kind of highlight and, and at least um, spend a minute or two having you talk about because I, I'm, I'm sure it's got to be a nice memory for you. Uh, back in 2005, you earned the Woman of Character distinction from the Hartford Current uh, newspaper, and in the process got to meet Jane Fonda and accepted your award at the historic Bushnell Theater. Is is that a career highlight for you? It certainly is, yeah. Um, <laughs> sometimes I think back and I think I was so young when that happened. I I, I, you know, I don't wish I had gone about it any other way. I, 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 I was who I was, but I, I feel like like I, it may have sort of whirred by me um, quickly, um, but I I was able to receive this award. Um, someone had nominated me and written written a, a nice narrative piece about about me, um, and and I was able to stand at the podium in front of thousands of people in my in my community, um, the city of Hartford, and and. Um, and say a few words about what you know what brings me joy and passion about um, the work I do 
on stages and in, in schools. Um, and, and meeting Jane Fonda um, was, was really, uh, it was pretty incredible. Uh, here's a woman who, to this day, um, has an intense security detail with her because people are, people are still upset with her um, because wow. of the, you know ways that she she lived her life and was outspoken when she was probably my age at that point and um, and so it, it sort of really gave me chills the sense that that the power of word and the power of expression can can be so long lived and and I I found that inspiring about her that she you know she she welcomes a public life um no matter what it it contains you know for her it's sort of unpredictable for her or predictable in the sense that she knows there's going to be a group of protesters at every theater she shows up <laughs> at but um but it was it was uh just pretty powerful to be able to meet her that night i th- i think in there you said that you were nominated for that award and that someone had written a narrative about you. Um, if, if I'm saying that correctly, that, that, that sounds to me like something that almost has got to make that award even more meaningful to you. Yes. Yes, to, to, to think um, that someone took the time. And I know who it was. It was a, it was a teacher who... Um, who brought me in actually to do my very first creative writing workshop in the public schools, who I ended up working with over probably eight or nine years. Um, and he, unbeknownst to me, had, had written a letter to, um, it, there was a call that the Hartford Current put out for nominations, and he had written written a piece um, about my work in the schools and on, on stages. Um, so it does make the, the award all the more um, personally, personally, you know, sentimental, gratifying. Yeah, and 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 in that same vein, though, you know, there's there's two roads you could go with something like that. You could, it could really inflate your ego, and you can stand up there on stage and puff out your chest, you know, or it could really humble you. And and it sounds to me, uh, by all counts, that that it certainly humbled you, and um, is nothing that even came close to going to your head. So. Uh, I'm going to put my hat back on so I can take my hat off to you again on, on that. Um, Thanks. I wanted to save, I was going to say save the best for last, but it, it, at least the newest for mm-hmm. last. You just signed on with the Greater Hartford Arts Council as the featured musical artist of 2014. Tell us what all that is going to entail. Well, I I'm lucky to say I, I don't, um, even know all of what it's going to entail, which means there's even more. Um, but but what will happen is um, the the arts council will, will fund um, the release of a six song EP, um, and the EP will be a retrospective of of songs and al- uh, from the past three albums of my career. Um, so we'll release a, an EP to the public and and I think what will happen is is it's it's in an effort to um raise raise arts campaign money so those who donate those who pledge and donate towards um this year's arts campaign will get the six song EP for free um there will also be a video made and um um I'm as I'm as open to what that will be as <laughs> as I hope the videographer will be um but um 
the the over the course of the year there will be live performances um, at different venues in Connecticut that will also highlight um, my work for the coming year. Yeah, I, w- I was just going to say that uh, although it's the Greater Hartford Arts Council, uh, this is actually statewide recognition that that you will get. That's right. Uh, and so um, the EP will be released. Uh, I think you said in April. Um, that's right. And, yep. the, and is there a title for it? I imagine there has to be, since that's just a little over a, a month away, or maybe yeah. a month and a half. I'm calling it Dream Tree: A Retrospective. Okay, and uh, that will be available on CDBaby.com. Um, again, congratulations! Is that uh, something that they do every year? Uh, how, how did you how did you happen upon that opportunity? That this is something they do every year, and um, and I I was telling friends of mine that I actually didn't I didn't seek the opportunity out, so it it, it they came to me, um, which was which was lovely, and I think it, that might have happened uh, sometime after I had won the um, best songwriter in Connecticut award, so um, so I was certainly I was certainly out there, um, but the the arts council. Um, honors is something that that really came to me and i'm um thrilled about yeah outstanding i congratulations that's obviously a huge compliment that that they sought you out um i want to thank my guest today kate callahan be sure to check her out at www.kate-callahan.com hit her social media too and buy her music there are three cds at least up until that ep comes out in April. Uh, currently three CDs to choose from. Uh, don't forget to visit www.nowhearthis.biz and sign up for the email newsletter there by simply putting in your email address. And of course, please do subscribe to this podcast and tell your friends about it. Uh, wouldn't hurt if you gave us a nice five-star review on iTunes also. Uh, we've been recording this show at the great facilities at Crystal Blue Sound Studios near Tampa, Florida. Check them out online at www.cbpro.net. That's CB as in crystal blue. Thanks for listening. We'll send you out today with another song from today's guest, Kate Callahan. Here's one that I really like. This is Swing Low.
Ruki.